Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. Before we get started, I want to tell you about this episode's sponsor. Green Book brings innovative resources to market researchers on both sides of the table and offers effective marketing opportunities in a variety of targeted media. From the Grit Report to the industry-leading blog and IIEX events, Green Book provides a stimulating, practical, and timely perspective on topics and issues relevant to the insights industry. So for all your market research needs, visit greenbook.org. We love it. You'll love it. With me today is an amazing guest, somebody I've known for a long time, have a great time talking to, and more than anything, I'm really challenged by this guy. So um, Charlie Rosenberry is with me today. He is uh, the founder of and president of Self Interactive, and you are going to have just a ball hearing about VR and about where augmented reality is going and really just all kinds of creative conversations. So Charlie, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Well, um, you let me play around in the virtual reality that is your studio. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, some of the stuff is so cool and fun. But before we get into all the crazy questions, I just want to let people know a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit about uh, like just your day in and day out, what you do. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) They they kind of all bleed together. I don't know that there is an in and out. yeah, so I mean, we uh, at Self, so, well, where to begin? We currently, we have, uh, we're, we're about 12 people, and um, so I'm, I'm like most entrepreneurs, wearing many hats, uh, currently in the process of hiring people to wear certain hats, so I don't have to. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, we do everything from, like you mentioned, virtual reality and augmented reality, uh, but, you know, we got started just doing web development and mobile development, you know, boring, traditional digital media like that. Well, you um, say boring and traditional, but I got to say your stuff is, you know, off the charts in terms of not only creative, but also I knew you way back when. This has got to be like going on six or seven years ago when you were the technical director yeah. at 40 Digits. And so I think that's important for people to understand because you come at design from a very informed technology, you know, place. And that's not always the case. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we we try whenever we're um, working with a company, whether it's an agency that we are, um, you know, subcontracting with or white labeling under, um, or it's a you know the direct uh, in business, we always we try to approach it. We, we try to understand the problem, you know, just like most designers, we want to find an effective solution to their problem. Um, but you know, we like you say, we we have a you know kind of a deep but still somewhat broad. Um, base of technical solutions to pull from. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't go into a meeting saying, you know, oh, they're going to need an app or they're going to need a website. Um, Or even as as sexy as it is, we don't we don't go in to sell them on VR. We we really go in to understand what their problem is. And then we can say this sounds like a good fit, you know, given their budget or given their audience um, or or whatever it is, we can say we, we can basically diagnose it with the right tool as opposed to, you know, treating everything like a nail to hit with our hammer. Right. I love that. But you're you're right. VR is sexy and it is fun to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey from, you know, being in, in the creatives, understanding the technology, really doing everything web and mobile and all that stuff. And how did you come to found Self Interactive? Sure. Well, um, so, you know, I've always been uh, a curious individual. I mean, even when I was a kid, my, you know, my, my dad brought home a 
old Windows machine and I learned, you know, how to write basic like command line DOS type uh, uh, quiz games, basically. And, and, you know, then as, as technology progressed, I learned how to, how to make video games and web pages. And I've, I've always been curious and, and I've always had kind of a broad interest in things. Um, and, and so I think, I think that's kind of my base that I started from um, is just, you know, I, I've always, I've always been really intrigued by technology and the different um, uh, ways that you can create something. You know, we're really fortunate, we're really fortunate being in the digital world because, um, you know, essentially you have an upfront cost of a computer, but once you have that computer, you can build as, as big or as, as, as much as you want. It's just a limit of your time at that point. Um, unlike, you know, construction or, or anything in the real world, you got to buy raw materials and you have to have all these different tools. Um, but, uh, you know, even especially nowadays, there's just so much, so many resources out there from a knowledge standpoint, from a tooling standpoint that, you know, really it's just, uh, it's a question of your dedication and your curiosity and your persistence to understand these things. I love, I love that you're using the word curiosity, but kind of meld this together because I really do talk with people a lot of times that really fall into that creative camp. And then mm-hmm. I'm talking with people who fall into that very, you know, very techie, uh, brainiac, you know, a little bit of a nerd. And I say that with all due respect, <laughs> um, camp. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you've really been able to make that connection. Why do you think when you're talking with technology people, why do you think you know, the creativity is so important. Like what, where, where do you see that connect? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, design, uh, design and um, programming, even though one is thought of as very visual and aesthetic and artistic and the other one is thought of as, you know, kind of brainy and mathy and logic. Um, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're problem solving. So, you know, we have, we have a goal we need to get to and we have these, um, certain constraints or targets we're trying to hit. And um, I, I think there's a lot more overlap um, between those two things than a lot of people initially understand. Mm. Um, and, you know, for me, for me specifically, again, I think for me, it was just an, an element of that curiosity I had that, you know, when I was a little kid, I loved to scribble all over paper and draw things and tape it up on our window. And so I, I've, I've always kind of had an interest in just um, creating and, 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 you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, but I've also, Oh, you know, I've also always had that that um, puzzle solving aspect that kind of is at the root of programming and, and the technology side as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, like, I think that's just the trajectory we're on is that they're becoming so intermingled, um, just that the way you execute these traditionally, um, you know, artistic and visual things, there's there's, you know, you got to understand Illustrator and Photoshop and and you can have your vision of what you want to create, but you got to understand how you're going to get there. Mm. And, um, you know, whether it's understanding your tools or understanding, you know, a programming language or, or a technology you're working with, I think at its core, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Right, right. So you you just this total curiosity, this melding of creative with technical, and then um, you were working so much in web and mobile. So what then what brought you to self-interactive and, and really moving into VR and AR? Yeah. So, um, so as you mentioned, I was at 40 digits. I was their technical director. Um, I, I was, I was the first hire. And, and so I was there from the start and helped them grow the company. And, um, you know, we grew to 30 uh, something people and were acquired by um, Barclay out of Kansas city. And, um, you know, I think, I think once, once that kind of happened, I took that as kind of my cue that I was ready to move on and, and try something new. Um, so that's, so I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm done with, 
I'm done with the overhead of project managers and having to, you know, coordinate all these people. I'm just going to go work for myself. And so I named the company self. Um, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I just, I'm going to do things my way, live real simply. It's going to be great. Um, and so I did that and I quickly found out, man, I kind of miss uh, collaboration and, and working in a group and having the camaraderie of teammates and all this. Um, and, and so, you know, I, and like I mentioned, you know, the clients I'd work with might be an agency or it might be a business. And so, you know, I, I would have this, these certain projects where I would be a part of a larger team and, and I would always find those really rewarding. And, you know, I, I kind of had this itch and I didn't really do much about it. I just kept on. Um, and I had, and I had a specific, a very large project that I was, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week on. And when I finally finished it, I said, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. Um, I've, I've, I've been kind of following along with virtual reality and, and I kind of understood what made it different from previous iterations of VR. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to buy a new computer that's powerful enough to run this and I'm going to buy a headset. Um, and I did, and I, and I, you know, I put on the headset for the first time, you know, straight out of the opening of ready player one. And, <laughs> and I, and, you know, it was just like, that's what it was like. It was, it was just not at all, uh, you know, you kind of have this expectation of what it's going to be like when you do it. But then once, once you get on the, the high end PC powered VR, which is with six degrees of freedom, meaning you can move around in the space and everything moves just like your brain expects it to, um, just that, um, the the feeling of of presence and and your brain really thinks it's standing in a giant stadium or you know another planet it's just you, you can't really put it into words just how how effective and how um you know transforming this this oh, this way yeah. of interacting with the digital world is absolutely i mean i i got to do some pretty cool stuff in your studio i don't know if you remember but of course you made me play in like fight gladiators and that was really kind of crazy yeah. <laughs> i'm sure it's almost more hilarious yeah. to watch people do it but oh, there was the one that you let me do where i was standing on the bow of a ship like a sunken ship and the whale goes by and it's just so peaceful and it's just like no way i really I was somewhere else. My brain did not know mm-hmm. the difference. And yeah. it, it, that was such a, such a cool, you know, interaction. But how do we take something like that? And how how do you see VR and AR starting to affect our daily lives? And what does this mean for us as a business? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that was the first thing I thought of is I, I put this on and I said, you know, holy, holy crap, this is going to be this is a big deal. Like this is undoubtedly immersive computing like this is the next frontier of, of interfaces, the way that we do this stuff. And so um, I, I took that as my cue that I want to get into this. I want to learn how to create this stuff. Again, that curiosity. Um, and so I went down that path because like you like you say, like this is, this is coming and it's going to affect all of our lives. Um, and I said, okay, I got to get in on this. Um, but I, I, I quickly realized that um, as I was, I, I was, you know, getting in front of audiences, explaining this, this coming revolution that's going to happen um, and getting people really amped about it. But I, I just wasn't finding time to actually produce the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to start a company, a, a proper team. 
Um, and so, and so we've been, we've been growing ever since. Um, and, and really, you know, you ask, how's it, how's it going to affect our lives and specifically on the business side? Um, you know, currently the biggest hurdle is, um, the cost. So, you know, it, to get, to get a, a proper high-end VR system, you're going to spend at least 1500 bucks. Um, and so, you know, I think we're, we're a little ways out from it being, um, and, you know, everyone's, we're a little ways out from it being in everyone's home. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, certain medium and large businesses certainly have the capital to, to drop that, um, on, on, again, solving problems like, like training, or, um, if they have a big, uh, marketing push and they want to have something that really stands out from, uh, the competition, you know, having, having a VR or, a, you know, a custom Snapchat lens or, or any of that stuff, those are, um, you know, just just unique, appealing ways that that companies can stand out, mm-hmm. um, and, and so that's really our, been our focus is um, exploring the technology, following along with trends, and and really trying to um, identify those opportunities, and then and then you know convey these opportunities and and help people understand what's possible here. Well, you just mentioned just ever so quickly glossed right over at Snapchat lens. And I know as soon as you said that, that means I'm going to get like five or six or seven emails saying, hey, he said this, what does he mean? <laughs> so let's just <laughs> cut that like right at the sure. quick and you go ahead and, and, and you've done some really fun projects um, with Snapchat lenses. So talk about that. Sure. So, um, well, so Snapchat is a platform that the users are, are eaten up. They love it. Um, and, and Snapchat, you're, lenses spo- you're supposed are, to say the youths, the youths, <laughs> the, the youths. Yes. Um, they, so, so, you know, they're, um, it's, it's their social, uh, platform of choice typically. Um, and, and the lenses feature is I'm sure, uh, most of your listeners have, have seen this where, you know, someone is wearing a, uh, uh, their, their eyes are sparkling or they're really large or they look like they have a dog mouth and they got a giant tongue and you know so it's it's like that that live um uh you know think think they're they're taking a selfie but as as they're as the camera is rendering their face it's it's mutating it in some way to look um interesting or fun um and so that's you know there's snapchat recently opened up their platform so that any developer can pretty easily create custom lenses for people so you know, if you're, you know, like I said, dogs, if you're a dog food company, you could easily make a custom lens where people can take a selfie and they their face turns into a dog's face and they can eat your food by raising their eyebrows and food will drop down. <laughs> they can eat it. You know, it's you know, it's just a, it's just a fun, engaging um, way to get your brand in front of people. Right. Um, and and so the, the flip side of that, too, is um, you can use the rear facing camera to do what they call world lenses. And that is where, um, you know, you're, you're filming the corner of your room and the phone kind of detects, okay, the floor is here, the walls are here. And then we can, um, you know, augment that reality by placing a 3D rendered um, model or creature or anything inside the room. And as they, as they walk around and, and look at it, 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 through their phone, it looks like that thing is 
really sitting in the room with them and you can interact with it and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And we're seeing those kinds of things, even in design and home, home design, like, oh, here's, you know, snap this picture or, or move interactively with your phone and being able to help, you know, customers actually envision what, uh, what this yeah. new world could, could be. So, well, tell me just from those very, very cool things, cool applications, what do you think, you know, there's some obvious ones, but what do you think are some of the more nuanced strengths that VR and AR and these kinds of opportunities provide to against traditional marketing efforts. You know where where can people come out as the leaders here? You know the, the main places we've seen success with this are with um, companies that you know typically go to trade shows. So as I mentioned earlier, this is kind of an exciting, unique way to stand out. So um, you know we've we've worked with a number of companies where we will. Um, build them a, a a custom VR experience that they can then take with them and set up in their booth. And, you know, better than just a jar of Jolly Ranchers is, hey, put this headset on and, and have this really cool experience. Um, you and, and I and, talked about that kind of stuff last time we met about, like, what could be possible with trade shows. And I mean, oh, yeah. like, that just cracks me up the way you just said that. Oh, this is better than a jar of, of Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that's that's the that's the immediate. And, you know, it's obviously a short term thing, because as this becomes more common, it's the novelty of it's going to wear off. Um, but again, this is a this is a whole new medium in which, um, you know, we've never before have you been able to so effectively con- convey a sense of scale, a sense of place, a sense of presence. Um, and so, um, you know, in the short term, we, we've seen a lot of uh, buy in from companies that just manufacture really large equipment. Um, or, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot in architecture where you can walk someone through a building before it's even been built, but they can still understand, okay, I, I, I really understand what it's going to feel like to stand in my office because I'm, I'm here, I can look out and see the views. Um, and it's just a much more meaningful and um, powerful way to convey a lot of things that we would traditionally do with 3D fly-throughs or, you know, uh, video renderings. So there, there's a lot of that there. And then, and then you can take that to the next level and make these things interactive. So I, I think I may have shown you the meatball machine. Um, we worked with one manufacturer who, who's in food processing, and they they have this machine that um, you know spits out meatballs. And um, this is another example where they hadn't even built a real model yet. They just had the drawings and, and figured out the you know the 3D renderings of how it was going to work. Um, and so they were able to send us their model. And we rigged it all up. We we made all the all the pieces move as they're going to move. You know, we made these virtual meatballs that it would spit out. And so we actually created a virtual version that people can um, walk around and look at and, and operate just like they were going to in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that so that that company for the same price or even cheaper than it would have cost to transport it down there, set it up by insurance to run it. Um, and of course, they wouldn't they might not be able to run it or they you know, they certainly wouldn't be able to produce meat. Um so, you know, for, for a fraction of that, they get this reusable tool that all they got to do is, you know, a briefcase size computer and headset. They can take it anywhere and basically let people interact with the machine um, at any time. Wow. So, yeah, so there's the, the what this is going to allow is, is pretty huge. And I think we're, you know, another piece that's really excited about being in this industry is that, you know, we're at the forefront where people are still determining what are the best practices, what are, you know, what are the ways that you, um, you know, navigate a VR experience, because, you know, it's one thing to, uh, you know, design patterns as it relates to websites and, and 2D digital stuff is, is pretty well established at this point. But, you know, once it's spatial, 
and the person can be looking anywhere. So you never really know what's in their field of view. Um, you know, how do you, how do you create interfaces in this environment? So there's, it's just like the wild west and people are still um, <laughs> coming up with novel ideas all the time. So it's just real exciting to be a part of that. Yeah, and I I really like this. Um, it, it it is really tricky, and you bend my brain a lot talking about it because we do want to be at the forefront as a marketing aging agency, giving someone a different alternative. But you're right. You know, when we talked even about trade shows, and I'm glad you mentioned that again. Um, you know. We were talking before about one of my clients about really using it to maybe convey a deep, deep sense of space. What is it like to be here at our place? Um, You know, and that is what's important to this particular client. But you're right that you have to also move as quickly as possible because as other people adopt – um, it, it's not going to be as like, you know, uh, it, it's not going to become as, you know, as uncommon. So very quickly working into how do we make this a regular way of doing business and not a novelty item? That's mm-hmm. that is so interesting to me. And and actually, it stresses me out. So I do not know how you do that and live in it every day. <laughs> There's well, people that are designed. You, I'm not stressed. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> OK. Yeah. It stresses me out just talking with you. But it's so challenging. It's so interesting. So I love that idea of pushing it over. Anything I miss that you feel like could make that connect? Because I got a lot of other questions, too. But. I don't want to miss any really great nuggets about how you think it's going to move from being a novelty item to really a very useful and practical way, either in marketing or in training or these kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I think, um, you know, between so we've talked a lot about virtual reality um, and, you know, we mentioned Snapchat lenses. Uh, you know, what I really think what's really going to be the thing that breaks through, breaks through to the masses is going to be. Um, you know, heads up augmented reality in which you're wearing glasses or, um, you know, something, something over your eyes in which you don't even, you're not even holding a device and you're not, you're not touching or, or tapping anything. The, the information is just naturally on top of your world. So you don't even have to think about it. Um, because that's, that's the real value here is that, you know, everybody's walking around with their neck, with their chin to their chest, staring <laughs> at their phone and, and scrolling. Um, and, you know, so I think we've, we've already opened Pandora's box in terms of this, you know, us, us kind of living in two worlds at once. We have our feeds that we're always scrolling and thinking about um, and in the real world, obviously. And so I think the, the real value this is going to bring is when um, it's just as natural as possible and you don't even really have to think about it. And, and so obviously we're a little we're, we're a ways away from that. So I think we still, you know, five to 10 years probably gets tossed around a lot. Uh, but but that's going to be what really brings it to the mainstream. And then at that point, it's going to be no different. You know, just like five years ago, everybody knew they needed an app, even though most of them just wanted a web page inside of an app, which, you know, that just get a web page. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to be that same kind of thing where everybody just wants to jump on it because that's where people are. Right. Because, you know, that's really that's a big part of marketing now is you, you no longer try to get people to come to you. You have to go meet them where they already are. Right. Um, and so it'll be no different. At Ponderings from the Perch, we love cranking out great content, but that comes thanks to our sponsors. So give a listen to this. I need you to check your calendar right now. What are your plans on February 18th and 19th? If your answer wasn't IIEX Europe, here's why it needs to be. Hosted in beautiful Amsterdam, Greenbook's IIEX Europe is all about new ideas, new approaches, and new connections and market research and insights. 
Sounds amazing, right? It gets better. One of the most standout parts of IIEX is the focus on startups and how they are challenging the status quo in the market research space. The event hosts the Startup Track and Insight Innovation Competition, bringing new, cutting-edge companies and ideas to the stage. Join the brightest and boldest minds in market research, all under one roof. Attendees will be in great company with speakers from Heineken, IFF, Samsung, and Dannon. For the full lineup and registration details, visit the event site at iiex-eu.insightinnovation.org or just click the link in our show notes. Register with the promo code LITTLEBIRD and you'll save 20%. See you there. When you start talking about VR and AR, everybody sees that as the way to reach millennials and Gen Zers and things like that. So talk to us a little bit about how do you think these can be used to reach millennials and Gen Zers, but the how, you know, is it going to be irrelevant to the older generation? I mean, when will it become more relevant going the other way, going up, you know, um, the age uh, continuum? Well, I mean, if we look at historical trends, you look at the user base of, of Facebook, um, you know, started out, you know, originally it was just for college kids. And then, um, you know, they opened it up to the general public. And then before too long, everyone's mom and dad were on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think it's the same thing here. Just I, that just seems to be a trend in technology generally where the younger generations are the early adopters. And then once the older generations start to kind of understand it, they sign up as well and their kids help them navigate it until they're, <laughs> they're comfortable. Um, the interesting so thing you mentioned about VR and AR, though, is that there is a lot of upfront costs. And so it kind of makes me mm-hmm. think that these things uh, will move a little quicker toward that demographic because that's who's going to have to fund um, some of it. Whereas Facebook is an interesting parallel, but uh, in terms of technology and usage and kind of a changing of behavior. But on the other hand, that's free. I think, I think you know, like I mentioned, I think right now it's not widespread because, well, there's kind of two problems. The first problem is there's not a lot of quality, um, uh, not a lot of really quality content out there. There's a few really well-produced experiences um, in terms of consumer-facing things, there's a lot of really, really well-produced experiences like the underwater whale encounter you mentioned. Um, you know, there's a number of those things out there, but there's really nothing out there that's um, compelling enough for someone to drop $1,500 unless they're, you know, an, a, just they generally are enthusiastic about technology or they're um, a gamer. Because by, far and away, the most people who own um, VR headsets are gamers. So, you know, I, I think I think really we're not going to see much consumer adoption until the hardware gets cheaper and um, it just becomes more accessible that way. But but, you know, technology inevitably does that. And, um, you know, I think I think, again, the first place we're going to see it is um, when Apple releases glasses or something that goes with your you know, thousand dollar iPhone, you're already dropping money on mm-hmm. um, that, again, meets them where they already are. And, and it's not asking them to, you know throw that away and let's shift your paradigm entirely. It's, it's let's, let's kind of, you know, slowly move that direction. Right. And it's going to take somebody big like Apple to, to make that happen. So they're going to, you know, just wrap it up in a nice uh, payment for us <laughs> monthly. <Yes. laughs> yeah, so exactly. uh, what I've never heard you say is Google Glass. Go. <laughs> yes, that's a, it's a dirty word in our industry. Um, sure. You know, there's, you know, so yeah, Google Glass, it was not, um, 
Google Glass wasn't really augmented reality. It was more of a heads-up display. So the, the key difference there is that augmented reality maps your surroundings and then inserts things into your environment so that, you know, if you if you place something on the table, you can then walk around the table and that thing stays exactly where you placed it. Um, Google Glass, however, is more like, um, you know, think like a, a, well, maybe an airplane is not a great example, but like a, a video game where, you know, your life, your little life counters in the bottom left of the screen and um, your scores in the bottom right. Um, and so no matter where you look, those things stay exactly where they are in your field of view. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's completely independent from the environment you're looking at. Um, and so, and so Google Glass was more about, you know, what I mentioned in terms of just putting the information out there. Um, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't really augmented reality because it didn't, it didn't fit itself into the environment. It just put it in your field of view. Well, I want to go back to something you said just recently about how, to, you know, things are really going to take off when technology brings the cost down, which is inevitable. But you and I talked last time also about how much cost has already come down. So there's some, uh, you know, virtual, uh, you know, reality goggles now that are so much cheaper. Talk about that a little bit and how that's already coming into the consumer purview. I mean, because it's already coming in little micro games for kids. And, you know, my nine-year-old buys this stuff online. <laughs> so, sure. you know, I, with his own money. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a good parent. Good so. you, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so tell us about that, how the cost is coming down and what, you know, what's missing? Because obviously there's a big gap between a $1,500, you know, piece of equipment you need to run something and then this 995, you know, dinosaur encounter that my kid is picking up. So help people understand the difference in there. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of a um, this is something we run into a lot where, you know, people watch the YouTube video of the, the grandma sitting in a chair freaking out because she's on a roller. She's doing a VR roller coaster or something. Mm-hmm. And they and they immediately think, oh, that's what virtual reality is. And it, it kind of gets thought of as a gimmick. Um, but, you know, I mentioned earlier, I said high end VR. That's the fifteen hundred dollar PC powered. Um, and then what you're talking about is, you know, you say 999, but it's really 999 plus a $600 phone to stick in that 999 piece That's of equipment. True. That's totally true. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but my nine-year-old likes to point out that I already have the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's basically, yeah. So to him, um, it's totally free. <laughs> yeah. And so and so the, the key differentiator there in terms of the experience is um, – the, what, what we call six degrees of freedom versus three degrees of freedom. And in six degrees of freedom, you can, um, well, I'll start with three. So with three degrees of freedom, you can look uh, up and down, left and right, and side to side. Um, but if you, so so you basically have to stay stationary, but then you can look all around you and, and it's, it's convincing. But as soon as you lean forward or, or try to walk around, the world, the virtual world stays exactly where it is. And so that's, that's really what introduces that feeling of nausea in some people is when, you know, your, your inner ear says, Hey, I'm moving forward, but your eyes say, no, I'm staying still. Um, and, and so that, that type of experience is much um, simpler to recreate technologically speaking, whereas the six degrees of freedom, um, you know, it not only does it know the, you know, the tilt of your head or the, the pitch or the yaw or whatever, um, it also knows where you are within a certain space. So as you as you walk forward, things move past you, and and again that your your inner ears and your eyes are in agreement on what's going on, and so that's what really makes that 
a really effective immersive experience. Oh, um, and, yeah. and, and so a lot of people experience the three degrees and they think, oh, this is what VR is. It's still, I can still tell it's not real and they kind of write it off. Um, so we, again, you know, we say 30 seconds in, in virtual reality is worth 30 minutes of talking about it. Because really, if you, if you experience the two, you immediately understand, oh, okay, this is, this is the difference here. Um, and so, and so, you know, I, I mentioned to you, um, there is that 999 um, unit that you can put your expensive phone in, but um, Oculus, uh, which uh, was kind of the leader, the thing that kind of kicked off this new generation of virtual reality, they were purchased by Facebook um, early on. And Facebook has just poured so much money into the technology. And I think it's great for everybody because it's spurred competition and there's, it's really made people believe that, okay, there's serious money being dumped into this. We also need to compete here. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's been great for VR. And, uh, and so they've, they've released uh, what they call the Oculus Go, which is, I think it's $200 or $250, but it's basically the, the dinosaur encounter experience you're describing, but it's just one price. So it doesn't require a phone. It's just, it's a self-contained all-in-one unit. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think, I think that is going to help get it out there. Uh, of course, the, again, kind of the challenge is it kind of misrepresents what's possible um, with the technology we have today. So, you know, you kind of got to, you kind of got to balance the two because you want it to be widespread, but you also don't want it to be misrepresented in terms of the capabilities. Oh, I think that's so key. But kind of go back to the Oculus Go. So that, you know, that's also a self-contained unit, but it's going to be limited then by how many programs are designed for the Oculus Go, right? Well, yeah, but that's, that's another great thing about Facebook is they're dumping all this money, not into, not, not just into the technology and the hardware, but they're also, um, uh, funding a lot of this content creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're doing it themselves. They're, they're paying other studios to create um, meaningful content. And so that's, that's really, um, you know, like, like, like I mentioned, that is key is that if you have this really cool device, but nothing to watch on it, you know, there's really not a lot of value there. Right, right. I love that. Well, I know that I'm going to get a lot of questions and we could talk forever and ever about VR and AR. But just because you did me this favor, let me let me give your company a <laughs> shout out. Um, what is what is the perfect client for you guys at Self Interactive? The uh, that's a great question. The I, I'd say our probably my dream client is uh, an agency that um, understands, well, I mean, you know, all the obvious stuff, like they're not going to have unrealistic expectations. They have reasonable budgets. Um, you know, they're, they're easy to work with, uh, those obvious things. But for us, um, you know, we really like the agency relationships because it means repeat business. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we, we can fill a need or, you know, fill a gap that might be in a, uh, you know, like a lot of the companies we work with are full on advertising agencies. So they have, they have print designers and, um, you know, animators and, and, uh, digital designers and, uh, copywriters and, you know, they kind of run the gamut, but, um, they may not have an in-house development team. Um, or maybe they have a really small in-house development team and we come in and help augment that. So if we can nurture those relationships, then we, we have one person we keep happy, one, one client we keep happy, and then they're the ones who go out and sell and bring in the, uh, you know, recurring work. Yeah. Um, that so that's, that's kind of our, that's kind of our dream. That, and then the, the flip side is, um, you know, companies that um, have a spirit of innovation that are willing to take a chance on these new technologies or, you know, are less, um, uh, 
skeptical about what's possible there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've, we've, we've worked with a couple um, pretty big uh, local companies here in town that, you know, they're large enough to have budgets for this stuff to really um, dump money into this new thing. Um, but again, it's because innovation and um, kind of being leaders in that space is important to them. And, and, you know, that's fortunate. That's a fortunate thing about being in a city like Springfield is that our, our city is large enough that, that we have a number of those businesses, um, but it's small enough that it's pretty easy to get in the door and, um, you know, pitch them on what you have. Well, let's talk about that just a minute, um, because I do think it's interesting. You are in Springfield, Missouri, and you and I obviously connect about this, me being in Joplin, Missouri, what sometimes other people would consider the middle of nowhere, although we just mm-hmm. laugh because, you know, we're enjoying an incredible quality of life. <laughs> <laughs> so y- y'all can y'all can have from where we came from, but um, but let's talk about that because um, in Springfield there is a lot of innovation going on, and you are actually located in an innovation center in the E Factory, and then you also uh, co-founded Springfield Creatives. And then you're on the board of directors for downtown Springfield Community Improvement, you know, and, and these kinds of things. So you really are involved in moving, um, really in, in a movement of people innovating mm-hmm. and creating something interesting and new. So what, you know, what do you feel is like, why, why are you so passionate about that? Well, um, so I'm a native. I'm, I'm from here. And, um, you know, like you say, we uh, people kind of write off this area, but it's, you know, naturally, it's a beautiful part of the country. Um, the The cost of living is, uh, I, I, I tell people, we in Springfield, we probably have the best ratio of um, amenities and quality of life to cost of living of anywhere in the country. Um, it's just, it's your money, your dollars go so much farther here. Um, and there's, there's still, I mean, especially if you're in, in my phase of life where, you know, I'm, I'm raising a family now and I'm kind of past the, the post-college bachelorhood and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and that being said, we do have a thriving downtown and a number of uh, college students around and here. record-breaking so, number true. of breweries. <laughs> yeah, plenty of breweries. Yeah, and and I mean, I think there's there there is a spirit uh, uh, within our community, and I, I think it's you know I I obviously can't solely take credit for it, but I'm you know I think there's just there's just kind of a spirit of uh, oh that's a cool idea why don't I just go do it? I think people aren't are are um, you know, they're quick to say, say, oh, well, I'll just, this is a great idea. I'm just going to go do it. Um, whereas, you know, I think in a lot of bigger cities, it can be kind of intimidating because there's so many established players and there's, you know, these natural hurdles and, it, you know, be it cost or competition or whatever. Um, whereas here, there's, there's really a spirit of, you know, we're all in this together and it's not a zero sum game. And, you know, a rising, rising tide lifts all boats mm-hmm. kind of attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I've, you know, like, I kind of have an entrepreneurial spirit and, and there's just, uh, there's plenty of outlets um, and, and um, you know, initiatives that I can be a part of and funnel that energy in a way that um, we can all move, move, move the ball forward. Yeah, I love that. You and I connect on that, you know, 
Um, right now, I'm serving as the president of the American Advertising Federation, and I'm so glad to have Self Interactive as a part of that. But then you're, you know, uh, working hard to connect us with them, um, Springfield Creatives, and you, you know, you guys working so hard to keep that kind of a spirit up in the town. I love that. But I think we connect on a, a deep hatred of levels and layers of bureaucracy <laughs> for anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can we just yeah, cut no, it? No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So here's a piercing question for you. Your logo uh, for Self Interactive is a oh, beard. Geez. Do you have to have a beard in order to work at Self Interactive? Uh, it is not a hard requirement. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, but no, it's funny you mentioned the logo being a beard. Um, so originally that was my request. I, my, uh, a friend of mine from college, Tyler Gross, uh, out of St. Louis, um, illustrated that for me and, and did all that. Um, and my, that was my original request is like, Hey, you know, I'm going out on my own at the time I had a really big beard and I was like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be going to these chamber of commerce events with all these suited people and I'm probably going to stand out. I'm just going to own it. Um, so let's make that the logo. Um, and you know, I, he, he gave me back what he gave me and I was like, well, I mean, it's, it's a little abstract. I don't know if it's direct enough. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't, it's played out. You don't want like something that's obviously a beard. Um, and it's just, and, and I'm so glad he talked me into it. Um, mm-hmm. like a good designer and I was a good client. I didn't, I didn't try to, I didn't tell him to make it bigger and just do what I tell him. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. I can't believe you said that. Yes. Make the logo bigger. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and, and so he, he got it and that's like, that's, that's such a, um, interesting talking point that all of our clients bring up because some people immediately see the beard and some people see a cat with a handle or something that's some sort of interesting cat. It's a cat um, purse. So it's, it's a. Yeah, we call it the cat purse because, <laughs> um, and then and then when you say no, it's a beard or a, but it kind of looks like a cat. People say, oh my god, yeah, that's all I can see now. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of it's 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 been a really useful logo in that way. And and to your question about the beard, I mean, we do uh, we do have a number of beards, but um, you know, we're we're getting a little more diverse. Originally, it was me and uh, probably the first four employees all had beards. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, we've, we've got a few, um, people who for biological reasons are unable to grow beards and we don't, we don't slide them for it. Okay. Um, I just wanted to check. So yeah. <laughs> that's very awesome. Well, where are you going to be next? Where can people find you, Charlie? Uh, coming up soon. I'm actually doing a, at the AITP, um, which is the, oh goodness, what is it? Um, it's an IT group, um, here in town where there's a, an annual, um, convention and I'll be doing a presentation on developing AR. It'll be a little technical. Um, but you know, we're, we try to, um, uh, you know, present to business groups and, uh, you know, more general public about, uh, about what's possible in this coming VR and AR re- uh, revolution as often as we can. So, um, yeah, I mean, in the meantime, I'd say find us on Facebook and online. We have, um, our, our sales and marketing guy, Tyler does a great job of, uh, curating our social media, I, and uh, so you can always follow us on there. There's always funny stuff. So um, yeah, and for lovers yeah. of ponderings from the perch, just so you know, he just mentioned Tyler Drennan, and that is the brother of Kyle Drennan, who's been on this podcast on this episode before because he is a uh, content lifestyle content um, uh, manager for another company. So you can go revisit that episode. But Tyler, uh, his twin brother, is actually they are twins, right? They are, twins? Yeah. yeah, so oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, he, he works for you, and, and that's super fun to see so many people really adding to the innovation and the creativity in the area. And isn't it true that uh, the AITP, that also they meet the first Friday of every month, right? 
Yeah, they have a regular monthly meeting, um, usually a lunch and some sort of, you know, speaker on a topic. Um, but then, yeah, they do this, they do this annual, um, you know, kind of convention and um, gathering where there's lots of uh, subject matter discussed and vendors and, and all kinds of good stuff. Well, cool. Check that out at AITPOzarks.org. And also, you can find some information about Springfield Creatives. Give them a shout out. Love them working with them. Springfield Creatives. I think it's just .com, right? Uh, it is. Yeah. Okay. And you can find Charlie at selfinteractive.com. And of course, it's not really very hard to find Charlie, but, um, it, it, you know, you, you heard it here first. Um, you got all of the preliminary information out of the way. <laughs> all of the things right. you were going to ask Charlie, you know, for a friend. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, thanks so much, Charlie, for coming on. I love talking to you. And if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. But listeners, thank you so much for giving us your time. If you have questions about VR, AR. We would love if you would give us a review on iTunes. That's how other people find us. But also feel free, instead of really reviewing it, you can always ask us a question. We listen to all of those and feel free to send us, drop us a line here at Little Bird Marketing. And we have... We have all kinds of people we can bring on this show. So if you want to hear more about this subject, please let us know. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, thank you. It's been a blast. Cool. This is Priscilla McKinney for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, saying have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.